Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. Thank you for joining us today and being a continuing listener. We really appreciate uh, all of the support and the listens and the reviews and everything, guys. It's really, really great for us to be able to see that and, yeah, have you guys listening. Yeah, and just getting that feedback too, you know, like seeing the reviews pop in and just knowing that there's some of you that are coming back again time after time um, and continuing to listen and to support the podcast. It's just really beautiful. So we do really appreciate it. So thank you. Um, yeah. We're going to bring you um, our live with Donna today. Yeah, a little episode. bit of a different podcast for you today. Yeah, so we spoke to Donna on our Instagram if you happen to tune in, um, but we wanted to also offer this to people that weren't able to join. We just had a chat about your emotions and mental health coming up to the Christmas period. Mm-hmm. Donna um, runs an Instagram account called The Conceiving Mind, mm-hmm. and she actually has a program as a counsellor so she's an RN and a counsellor um, and a hypnotherapist so she actually um, has a program and has just joined up with Eve Health here in Brisbane um, so uh, quite a large uh, women and fertility clinic here in Brizzy um, and it talks you know sort of allows you it walks you through like the emotions of undergoing fertility treatment um, and how to sort of navigate that and you know, she using she's also um a fertility patient herself. I think her son was conceived or her, yes. her kids. So I think both children were kids. conceived by our um donor eggs. Yep. Yep. After going through IVF herself. Um so she does know what it's like to sort of go through this treatment and that's why she's developed this program because she realized that there was a gap for emotional support during that time so she's really sort of put in the effort to uh, create something for those of us going through treatment um yeah so we our chat we sort of focus a lot on how to handle the christmas period because we do know that it can be quite tough Mm -hmm. um meeting up with family and you know having to answer all of those questions um that people constantly ask you over the holidays (laughs) Yeah, so she had lots of um, really great ideas around that and, yeah, it's a really good listen um, if you want to listen to it in the car on the way to family lunch or (laughs) your work Christmas party or anything like that. I took a lot away from it even now, like not doing any active treatment, just in handling those conversations that are a little bit more difficult. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like even after you've had a child through fertility treatment, handling those questions of when are you going to go again? Mm -hmm. You know, like why are you waiting so long? Mm -hmm. Why are you trying so early? You know, like things like that. Um, I think, you know, there's all, there's something for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And like we said, it is a little bit of a different podcast. So, um, you know, it might not sound 
like our usual ones, but because um, we're not sitting in a cupboard, we're sitting out <laughs> in my lounge room. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically we really hope you enjoy this episode. And if you did and you haven't left us a review, jump on to the Apple or the Google podcast or wherever you're listening and just leave us a quick star review. That'd be so great. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. We hope you enjoy listening to this live. Thank you for joining us today, Donna, on our podcast, in, on our live. No problem. Happy to be here. Um, yeah. <laughs> Donna, start us off with um, telling us a little about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a uh, midwife, predominantly, registered nurse and midwife. I have been for almost 30 years, which is a bit embarrassing. Um, and I mainly work in birth suite. I currently still do, um, delivering little ones, helping mums. Um, and um, I am also a counsellor and a hypnotherapist as well. And yeah, so and um, that sort of led me on to create a, um, a an online sort of supportive program that um, a proactive approach to fertility treatment. Um, I found, oh, obviously, I had some fertility issues as well, but um, I just found that from being a midwife and how much education and resources there are for pregnant women and parenting um, women that I was like, when I was doing um, IVF, what, where's my sort of support and um, guidance through it? And I was like, well, you know what, I'm going to develop that then. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, your fertility or your background story very briefly? Because we are going to be doing a podcast with Donna, so you won't go into too much detail, um, but in the new year we will be interviewing her again about her story. So if you just want to give a brief introduction to your background, if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Yep, I'm an open book with my story. Um, so uh, we started out, obviously, as everyone else does, where you just think, it will just happen <laughs> um and I'd be surrounded by people having babies and thought oh that's just it's easy so um we were probably 12 months into it of being on the program as we used to call it where you're trying to have a baby that's not happening and we just never even had a sniff of a pregnancy saw someone after about eight or nine months and went on uh, medication to help me ovulate because they thought that was the issue didn't work, so then went on to have a laparoscopy and that showed that my tubes were blocked. So that was kind of a bit like, oh, good, there's a reason. Like, you're so sick of trying to track everything and the temperature and all the stuff that goes with, you know, trying and you feel like you're having to manage all of it yourself. So it was kind of like, oh, good, I can give it to someone else to manage for me. And I was only 32 or 33. So it should work, you know, IVF, it should work, right? It's only a transport problem. Um, and then it just didn't. So I would get eggs. Um, we would only ever get end up with one embryo. Like I'd get six or eight eggs and they'd fertilise and, and by the time you get to that embryo transfer stage, I'd only ever have one. So we went through 13 cycles of that. And I think we had one frozen embryo transfer only. So every time it was a full cycle 
of IVF. Um, and by the end of that, I was pretty wrecked and I'm still going to work to help others become parents and it was really oh, the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and then my niece um, said she would like to donate eggs and we kind of, were, it was confronting as well as excitement that it was a different sort of hope, but I think there was a lot for me to process to get to that point. Um, so we did that though and um, yeah, that first cycle we were down to still one embryo that was transferred and that was on day three and that became our daughter um, who's now eight. Yeah, um, so that was great and then my niece insisted we do another cycle and that didn't work and we did another cycle that didn't work and then it was like, and we were happy with Isla, you know, we were like, that went know we're done you know that's so amazing we're so lucky but she was like no I think we need to do one more um so we decided we'll do one more and we did one more and we got um three really good embryos and that first transfer became after these six yeah um yeah, yeah that's so amazing I know. So, yeah your heart stories like that yeah and everything like that Great. It is. It's amazing. So thanks for telling us about that. But we we were talking off air about your partnership. Do you want to sort of maybe mention something about that? Oh yeah. So um, as I said, the program that I've developed that um guides people through the three main types of um fertility treatment, so IVF, ovulation induction, and intrauterine insemination. The online program I've designed guides them through the medical stuff as well as giving strategies for the emotional stuff. So applying certain strategies for certain stages of your cycle because you know what it's like where, you know, the start of a cycle you're feeling one way, you know, there's so many ups and downs as we know. So it's just about how do we nourish our emotional health. There's so much out there about how do we get ourselves physically ready and this is about the emotional side, getting that ready. And, um, yeah, so we're, there's going to be an announcement next week around a an IVF company that's going to offer my program to their women, which is awesome. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. There's so many times in the past that there needs to be way more emotional support yeah. with IVF, you know, and even the counselling that's offered through clinics is usually just sort of, yeah, and it's like, Legalities and stuff like that. Yeah. And I just emotional aspects and the toll of IVF is so um, huge that this is just so amazing. So yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. Like yeah. Look, I just um we keep this on our little Instagram page and um on our podcast page as well. So. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it is. It's a great first step for for an IVF company to really start to see that side of things. Um, yeah, I think it's awesome. So, yeah, keep, keep watching. It's the first step, that's for sure. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much. We might jump into the questions that we received then. Mm. Um, so, basically, the first one, um, you know, why is Christmas so hard when it comes to fertility treatment and, you know, the holiday period? Like, why, why do we find that, that period a little bit harder than any other time mm. Yeah, I know. It's um, it's. I think there's probably a, a, a few answers to that one. Um, and I certainly know that time so well. I think I did seven Christmases of just wanting and hoping to have that 
announcements that other people get to have at Christmas Day or, you know, just, just to be able to know what your new year is going to be like. So I think it's it's a number of things. So one is I think that that with the clinics closing, um, where, you know, quite often by the time you've finished your cycle for the previous year, it's often, say, by now. So you've been, you know, you're really waiting until the new year from, like, November until just till January. And sometimes then it's quite well into January before you start. So it's often it's such a long break. And, you know, like, for certainly someone like me who I knew my tubes had lost, IVF for me was my only hope. So I know there is absolutely no hope for me to become pregnant in that period and it just seems to take forever. Um, and I think the other reason it's a bit harder is, um, you know, we're getting together with people that possibly we haven't seen for a while and especially with COVID, people in Victoria especially may not have seen family and friends that you haven't seen before and, and you find yourself comparing yourself with um, other family and friends where, you know, they've got a little toddler and you think, oh, that I should be at that life stage. It re it's just really confronting to see those people. Um, and I think the other third reason is um, that, you know, we often tend to um, reflect on the year at Christmas. We reflect what we've done for the year and what we plan on doing for the new year. And usually when we plan things, we can implement them and IVF just or fertility treatment, infertility in general, just has that hold over us that our lives are on hold, we can't plan things, even if it's something to do with your career, your house, financially, do you, can you, yeah, a holiday, yeah, do you use that money for a holiday or, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, so it, it is, it's, it's really heightens the ongoing stress that goes on with infertility. Yeah. I think that time of the year too is sort of, um, it can be renowned for baby making as well, you know, yeah. like yeah. Um, October babies, you yeah. know, from the Christmas period. And exactly. I think that's really just sort of here, you know. So I think that might be part of it as well. Um, yeah. You know, because Christmas is always that hopeful time of year where you hope that that transfer is working. That's right. You wouldn't either find out that it hasn't or it has. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's a whole new cycle of anxieties. That's right. Um, and you've got to wait until pretty much well into January mm. when your turns and everything yeah. it can be really stressful. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, definitely. I mean, I remember we... I wanted to start IVF treatment again last year, the end of last year, and we couldn't. Um, just because of the timing of everything, and I just felt really stressed about it as well. So it was really hard yeah. um, to work through that Christmas time. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, just, it's just another layer of stress, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, so one of the other questions that we received was how to regroup when the year hasn't brought the outcome to be grouped for? Yeah, that's, um, that's a really good question. And I think... Um, the thing with that is possibly looking at um, the things that you can control. So you know how so much of fertility treatment is out of our hands and, and I think that's part of the reason why it's so difficult because we're so used to having control of everything in our lives generally and this is sort of really taken away from us. So if we can think about the things that we can control, so um, getting ourselves um, 
physically and emotionally ready for that new year. So, you know, there's a lot of focus. I'm sure everyone that's doing any kind of treatment is thinking about their physical health, whether it's what they eat, their diet, you know, to the point where you're obsessed about whether you should have had a coffee or not. And, um, I know I did, that's for sure. Um, and so there's a fair bit about that and um, that's a really good thing to do if it's positive, you know, some getting out, um, walking, being, having the time if you've got the time off to spend that time doing things that you enjoy that, that, that's also looking after yourself physically. And then also um, getting yourself mentally nourished as well. So what are some of the things that you enjoy doing with your friends or family, the ones that aren't high maintenance, um, that make you feel good, that boost you up, or even with your partner, reconnecting if you've both got time off, do some things that are not related to talking about the treatment or um, the situation and do things that, you know, what brings you together, what feels good, because that's going to nourish that um, your emotional health for then for that to sort of build some resilience in you for when you do that emotional health is going to take some hits, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Um, you need to fill your cup back up. Yeah. Um, IVF treatment really sort of diminishes that cup of your Oh, yeah. Mentally, um, intimacy-wise, yeah. so many people say that and, like, living at ourselves, um, you know, like, sex life sort of goes out the window yeah. and, like, yeah. obviously this sounds terrible, but, like, I just sort of drank over the Yeah, yeah. And it was a good wine. Yeah. And, um, you know, we sort of really reconnected through that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, not obviously using alcohol to connect, just that we both enjoy a good drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think sort of looking at that happier mm. side of it and, and what Christmas is actually about. Yeah, it's right. you got to, you know, it is a sort of a forced time to stop thinking about the fertility treatment side of things for a minute. So you can relax and have a few wines and, um, you know, eat what you want for a bit, you know, and then it's just about, I guess, not going too far because we know that sometimes with alcohol and family members, that sometimes that can exacerbate the stress if you have a few too many and let your guard down and you know there can be old wounds that get exposed and before you know it you're then regretting the whole period and then you've got to then you know face back up to fertility treatment again in a month or whatever so it's just that balance absolutely right there's no way you would say oh you know don't enjoy yourself over christmas you, you absolutely need to but just be mindful to uh be careful as well yeah exactly i think um, christmas is hot and summer it's so easy to get outside it's really and yeah absolutely do stuff that you can um just really yeah. And, and, the, and the research shows that that improves mood and you know nourishes your emotional health by being out in nature doing something so um yeah it's, it's a really good thing to do and creates a bit of a, a habit then of, of of it continuing when when you do go back to work or you know the grind starts back yeah also you know, but, um, there's so much focus on the right? yeah. so like, especially the ones like, oh, 
So if you then said, oh, but how old's little Johnny now or something, they then, they've forgotten that question they've asked you and they've moved on and then you don't need to qualify it or, or you know, add anything further. But it also if they reflect later, they may realise, oh, she didn't give me an answer, you know, all she said was no and it might make them think about not asking that to the next person. Uh, that was my theory. Um, and then if the question was, when are you going to have kids? Again, my answer was just one day and then straight away move on to the same thing, reflect and ask, ask them a question about themselves so, or their child or something that's just happened in front of you or, you know what I mean, just really move on quickly. Um, and again, it potentially I just sort of thought maybe if they reflect on that, they might think mm, that was might have been a sore spot. I'm not sure, but I'm not going to probe it because she, she obviously didn't want to elaborate. Um, I think too, people just sort of ask in good um, conscience, like they're just sort of, you know, and I think there can be an aspect of not wanting to make critical awkward with your responses too, you know, so it'll take your own um, emotional needs and at that time. So, I mean, you know, for me now, if someone was to ask me, I would just say that something very similar or I would just be really open say I'm not really comfortable talking about that at this stage um you know because it does sort of especially when you get together in those big extended family settings you haven't seen everyone for a couple of years and as as old the grannies are like oh well, when are you going to have kids you know your biological running out you kind of just want to turn around and be like shut the fuck up like and leave <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah to, to you know, find out I've yet. Um, I think, yeah, really sort of being preparing yourself before you go into those situations and maybe practicing with your partner what your response be. And then, okay, so, yeah, and have, I found having like a safe word. So, like, when I'd had enough, I could like, as or like whatever, yeah. and then we'd, we'd back, that's it, that's not, that's about, you know, get out of your free card. So, that's how we sort of handled it. I don't know. Yeah. What I, <laughs> I, <had no> <laughs> I always think too that you know, if it's like a party or a, you know, something, say it's your work Christmas party or, you know, people that you know pretty well, it could be an extended family group, um, have a wingman, like I always say, like, so whether it's your partner who knows exactly what, you know, they could suss out what the danger zone, you know, you could work out who the potential suspects were that were going to ask you those things. And then when that person was around, they make sure they hone in and come and be right near you to kind of steer the conversation away straight away. And if it's not your partner, it could be a best mate. If it's a mate that's a work friend that knows your situation, then, you know, you could find the one that wants to come up and, brag about how easy it is to be pregnant or something that you know is going to trigger you um to have a bad day um yeah then that person can just yeah be your wingman be your support to kind of see you out of it i think also um like now at the spot that i'm at in my life <laughs> being a little bit older and just no saying no to things that you don't do over the first period and you know going back to that sort of that first 
or that second question, like how to regroup. And if you know regroup means you that you need to basically use that two week period to be like, I'm done, I'm going to check out, you know, and even telling your friends and your family, like, I love you all, um, but I'm going to see you in two weeks. Like, I need um, that is okay to know the whole sentence in that aspect. So, I think also really recognizing your own limitations around that. Um, one of our followers, I think she, um, they've had a really tough year and she had made a big post about whether or not to go to, um, I think, a, a work yeah. party. And I was just like, just don't go. Like, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. Okay? And the people that genuinely want to be a part of your life and understand this aspect will understand and support those yeah yeah exactly right yeah it keeps you um yeah just know your people yeah exactly yep. do you have any um sort of advice around creating rituals to help during the period your own health and growth yeah um i think um doing something um like we know that infertility and treatment is demanding on our emotional health so if we can do something that um as you said before fills our emotional cup beforehand and it's going to build that little bit of resilience beforehand and so um, we know that like the research shows that the stress of infertility and treatment is the same when they apply standardised measurements. It's the same as what women experience if they have chronic pain, a chronic illness, even cancer. So that's very stressful. Like that's that's something that it's not just by um, reading a book or uh, you know is going to fix. Like obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, going to a day spa once, you know, like, yeah, so it is great to put in things that um, are rituals, um, something that you know makes you feel good um, and that also nourishes that emotional health to build that resilience ready to take on that and that goes to man. And so things like um, um, doing, listening to kind of audio tracks that are like guided relaxation because you know how and so much of infertility is about our thoughts and emotions, like our thoughts that worries about the past of what you ate or drank or maybe you should have started a year earlier or all of those past thoughts. And then we often have thoughts about the future, like what if this cycle doesn't work, what if this cycle does work, and you start to, you know, you're in your head going back and forth and around and it's the same loop. So it's about trying to interrupt that's those constant ruminating thoughts and how how you can do that is challenging those thoughts sometimes but also listening um, to sort of guided um, audio tracks is how I found and research shows that it, it helps to interrupt them but it also helps bring about more of a, a balance to you so that you're not in that heightened stress all the time so and sometimes it can help you sleep so the, the first way you know how if someone said you just go and practice mindfulness in the corner you'd be able to do it for all of three seconds before you you're, you're straight away back onto whatever you normally think about so to, 
to try to do that when we're in our state is really difficult to start. But if you can start with doing it, say, when you're going for a walk, because, you know, if you go for a walk, you'll listen to music, but quite often the music's in the background and you're thinking your thoughts. Um, so sometimes if you can have a guided uh, mindfulness track to listen to while you do your walk, you may not listen to it actively for that whole walk, but maybe initially you might get a minute out of it. Then it might be three minutes, then it might be five, then you might actually listen and do the activity that it's telling you to do for the whole walk. Maybe it only ever be half of it. So then once you can do that a bit, you've got your mind remembers that and it um it carries over to a, a more of a calm feeling over time then. And so then you might be able to listen to it when you go to bed at night, a, a more of a relaxation one that can improve your sleep. But it's also helping calm those stress hormones that are circulating around in your body as well um, and just allowing you to, that will then impact your daily life as well. It'll be really subtle and it's something that if you can do in the lead-up for a month or so, in the lead-up to starting a cycle, that is really nourishing your mental health, like your emotional health is filling up that cup so that then when you do start your cycle, it's still going to take a hit, and but you'll continue to use it. Um, and it just it might be that 1% that makes you feel a little bit better and potentially by reducing all of those stress hormones, you know, you're optimising your mind and your body for the pregnancy to happen. So it's certainly no do this and you'll get pregnant or anything like that, but it's it's just about building resilience and filling up that emotional cup. And that's exactly what my program has got in it, is the medical information and then that emotional nourishment because it's got audio tracks that are included in it um, that use going to sleep or during a procedure even, like during your embryo transfer or even if you have a fear of needles, you might do, do one of these um, exercises before you do your needles to just help, you know, help yourself stay a bit calmer for that if that's something that winds you up. So it's just about trying to minimise those big impacts that, that come with treatment and security. Yeah. I think, um, too, just around, like, getting really basic here too, with Christmas is a lot of people wait to create traditions, rituals um, around Christmas until they have children, right? So when we have kids, we'll do this and this and this and this, you know, and, you know, people think that the joy of Christmas can be children. And, you know, there is an element of truth to that. It, uh, having children that bring it, it enlivens Christmas. Yeah, but don't, like, I mean, the biggest thing if someone I was talking someone and they were saying about IVF and all that like I would actually say like start creating those traditions now but Christmas Eve happening yeah Joe and I started a Christmas Eve night like goodies like drinks chocolate popcorn and yeah that's what we do as and I we would also have like a really good Christmas breakfast and sort of like have a mimosa or whatever we felt like doing you know we, we created those rituals before we had children because I feel like 
focusing on that goes really back to what you're saying is it nourishes your mental and emotional health and also relationships and intimacy as well. Um, like, don't, don't wait to create those rituals before you have food. Like, it's just, it's still a family. Exactly. Exactly. Um, do you, would, would you mind sort of explaining? You mentioned at the very beginning that you're a hypnotherapist. And so, I mean, a lot of people have probably heard about hypnobirthing and things like that. Sort of um, explain how you use hypnotherapy um, with IVF treatment. And I, I know you mentioned that enough before, so that all sounds really familiar, but maybe for those who don't know much about it, yeah. you just give um, well, so hypnotherapy, um, I haven't actually practiced as a hypnotherapist. I've, I've um, you know, qualified as a hypnotherapist, though. And basically it's about accessing your subconscious mind to, um, you know, keep, keep your sort of your um, stress levels at a, at a minimum. And it's, there's a fair bit of counselling involved in hypnotherapy. It's not just hypnosis. Um, so it's about a counselling session where you um, talk about, you know, what the issue is and then and then you use the, the therapy side of things to kind of guide them through by having them in sort of a deep, relaxed state. To where you, and that, when you're in that deep, relaxed state, your mind is more malleable, like it's a bit more able to be... Um, you know, more more suggestive. So you can kind of, if you're wanting to nourish, you know, that emotional side, then if you're suggesting that you're you try to remain relaxed, that you're calm, that you're this or that you're that, then then you your mind is it's not challenging it. It's switching off that um, part of our brain that um, analyzes stuff. Like what I'm telling you now, your brain's probably saying, really, yeah, I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like that internal dialogue sort of is switched off and you're just in that sort of more of a calm state so my um the guided relaxation tracks that i've put together aren't really they're not really hypnotherapy they're just guided um guided relaxation audio tracks really it's music with my voice and they've been tailored to the situation so one is for your embryo transfer so it's about visualizing what might be happening on the inside and the lead up to your um, embryo transfer and then once it's in there it's about visualizing so it's just starting to create that bit of a connection with the embryo and it just allows your you to relax while you're listening to that and and it's interrupting those stress hormones and those thought patterns that are what winds us up. So it's just about breaking down and bringing yourself a little bit more balanced and hopefully helping you get some sleep as well. I really couldn't be my exception and even, you know, our transfers and things like that. I really couldn't be that the whole time. I I that I'd known of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's it. like it's all those things that I was exactly the same. I wish I had that for this, and um, and it was actually quite good because when by the time I was having Archie, I had developed like a really basic idea of what I wanted. So I sort of put a few things to use for him because because I'd had Isla, and then it didn't work for those next couple of cycles to have Archie. I was back to square one with my stress levels. I, I honestly would have thought I'd never be that way again, but I really was. I, I'm amazed 
like people that go through secondary infertility, I just I feel so badly for them. And I only had to go through it for a year or so. They, you know, sometimes go through it for years on end. And, you know, it really does knock you straight back to where I was before having Isla. And um, so I was able to put a few of those things to the, to the test to work out does it actually help because I don't want to tell people that this will be great, doesn't even help. And it really did. Like it's not, I'm not saying that it, it absolutely, I was skipping around and felt wonderful. <laughs> um, but it was, it just, I just didn't have that constant thoughts that bring about those emotions. Like I was pretty angry and pretty, you know, uh, reactive or, you know, just intolerable to a lot of things. Um, yeah. And so it just sort of calmed that a bit. And, and I wasn't sleeping at all. So it just helped me get sleep, which then, you know, it's like when you get sleep, it's a whole new world the next day. Um, and so that just sort of flowed on. And so then it just meant that I was just that much more balanced. I just didn't have the ups and downs that um, we, we seem to have. So it was quite a good little experiment. Yeah. I think um, the intrusive thoughts around IVF can be really confronting too, you know. And, you know, intrusive thoughts are a really normal thing for our brain to do. And I don't think people understand that either. So I think having the the relaxation time, you like you said, it's not it's not I think people think meditation is about going to this zen place where you literally don't think of anything at all. And for me, I'm never, ever going to stop that stream of consciousness thought in my mind. It's more about, for me, rather just observing that's what I'm talking about and then moving on to the next thing. And having that track play in the background, you sort of do the thing, you do the sort of thing, you actually do focus in on what said. Um, and it just sort of is like a little brain, right? I'm like, oh, God, I can shut Yes, exactly right, exactly. And the research shows with it that if the more you do it, the quicker that you that your brain has remembered and it and it, and it is quicker for those thoughts to settle down. And then if you do it for two to six weeks and you did it for twenty minutes every day, not meaning that you're zoned out for that twenty minutes. I, it's just like taking the time to do it, and you might be in and out of that zone. 50 times like you might you might be able to listen to what um the track says for uh, 30 seconds and then the next week it might be a minute you know you kind of build it up but if you do it for 20 minutes a day for two to after two to six weeks you, there is that carryover effect where it does start to, to last for longer so that feeling like you just said where you do um feel a little bit more like you stop those crazy thoughts going on just for a moment, it's giving your brain a, a break, um, that that break becomes longer, it lasts longer. It doesn't just last for the time that you're listening, it begins to carry over into your day. So that, that's the whole, you know, basis behind it. And mindfulness is a little bit similar as well, um, you know, but there's guided mindfulness um, to bring about that kind of response as well. Um, which is, is really good. It's like it's just all about, as you say, giving breaking. It's like a circuit breaker to stop that ongoing ruminating thought. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you have any more questions? Yeah. Did you want to uh, like finish off on anything similar in particular? Like, do you have anything like that? Um, uh, only that. Um, like you know how uh, we've spoken about a lot of the the thoughts and the fears and the everything is around um during treatment. Um, you know, just just to sort of say that um my program also involves you know um a negative pregnancy test and an early miscarriage as well so giving you some support around that time because again there's not a huge amount of um you know support around that and also early pregnancy because we know that even though we've become pregnant after fertility treatment that that stress that ruminating that those you know intrusive thoughts don't stop it just changes from being fearful about never becoming pregnant to fearful that you won't stay pregnant so um yeah just to let you know that yeah in the program it covers the um, modules around early loss and negative pregnancy tests and um and early pregnancy as well just to help you again just try to bring a bit more balance just to help you have a better experience through your daily life, really. Um, yeah. I think that's really important off the back of IVF. So, like, yeah. in general, and, and, you know, negative pregnancy, kind of, you know, like, there's a whole host of things around that, but particularly off the back of IVF treatment where you spent all that money or in that emotional um, time and all of that sort of stuff, that's really sort of important because, like, feel like um it can hit us very hard when we receive pregnancy test or we do and it you know an early pregnancy loss. I think it is very it can be very hard to sort of move past that. So um and you sort of wonder like what should I do? Like if I ate that pineapple or the Brazil nuts or the Macus chips. Where my seat Yeah, it'll would I have you know sort of it doesn't necessarily Physiologically, we know that that actually doesn't really have anything to do with mind. You'll tell us that. So I think that's a really important aspect to include in the program. Yeah, yeah. so thank you. Yeah, no, no worries. Yeah, I just thought it was really important um, to have it, you know, that it doesn't just stop because we all know that it doesn't stop. If, you know, if, and some pregnancies are really tricky and I see it every day in birth suite, the, the amount of people who have anxiety and depression and that then leads on to postnatal depression. Um, you know, sometimes it, it's certainly exacerbated after treatment, um, but it, even just in general, you know, people, um, yeah, it's just it's on the rise. And I guess, you know, 2020 hasn't helped that either. Yeah, I've actually just said to my husband, I've become studying on um, depression and anxiety rates while IVF being undertaken and then in pregnancy once you do full pregnancy that right through and sort of like postpartum so it's a long study but you know just so we can sort of really um understand the impact that IVF treatment have on pregnancy postpartum period because and that's really passionate about you know sort of that quite a bit but um because I just don't feel like that level once you hit that level of anxiety that you do to go through very hard to come back down from it unless you're actively on that. Then, like, you go for that really structured facility specialist. These are my appointments, this is 
a plan, this mm-hmm. is what we're doing. Being involved of just being a pregnant person yeah. in your life. I'm not I mean, at all. What are we going on for treatment? What's up there? Yeah. And that's like too much medicalization of birth and pregnancy and not telling them to do what they are meant to do in that situation as well because they've lost so much faith having to go through the situation in the first place. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's about, you know, building that bond back with your body that you've been so grumpy at for so long, <laughs> um, you know, trying to then trust your body to do what it's meant to be doing. Yeah, it's just such a switch place. Exactly, and then you apply to that the, the people who need to be on progesterone for an extended period of time during their pregnancies or even injections with flexane and stuff like that. Um, so, so there's a whole, there is a, there's, there is a whole aspect of that as well. So I think that's um, really important to sort of open up the door and talk about that a little bit too. Yeah. And children are a very real aspect of IVF treatment, as hard as it is, you know, because um, that's what everyone's training for to recognize that this anxiety might not go away just because I feel pregnant. In fact, it might it's actually work. Yeah. 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 That's Yeah. Exactly. And that these are the things that you can do, you know, that, that's what I would love to see. Um, yeah, rather than just it is normal to be anxious. Okay, well, how can I help that? But, yeah. yeah, it's normal to be anxious, but it's not normal to live in that anxious state. Twenty four days. If you thought that we we had that for a reason, <laughs> and sometimes in that in that that flow, it's yeah, it's it becomes becomes your safe place, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Donna, for joining us. It was lovely to chat. Thanks so much for having me. It was lovely to, and it'd be great to catch up, yeah, with a podcast in the new year. so much for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode if you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story we will pop the link in the show notes be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes it lands straight into your listen now if you could also leave us a review for the show that would be so appreciated no words are needed just stars If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Volodka Lushenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.